it's now officially the postseason. Obviously, the preparation time is pretty quick for both teams, but we know what kind of game it's going to be. It's going to be a tough game, and we've got to be ready. Welcome to the Hawks Report, the podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that gives you the stories behind the score. I'm your host, Lauren Williams, the Hawks beat reporter here at the AJC. And Daniel, we're officially in the postseason now. The Hawks are heading to the play-in, which they'll play in Miami today. Um, It's a game between the seventh seed and the eighth seed. And of course, if the Hawks win tonight's game here on Tuesday, that means they head straight to the playoffs. They're the number seven seed. But if they lose, they've got another chance. They'll face the winner of the game between the Raptors and the Bulls, who are the ninth and 10th seeds. And then if they win that game, that means they'll head into the playoffs as the eighth seed. And if they lose that game, that means their season is just completely done, completely toast. So here at the Hawks Report today, we're of course going to break down how this team can make it through this first playing game. And hopefully they won't need that second game But if not, we'll discuss what they need to do to win the second game. So we'll have Michael Cunningham joining us here on the Hawks Report later in the show. I'm Lauren Williams, and you guys are listening to the Hawks Report. And if you're doing so for the first time, please make sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. But let's go ahead and take a break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Hawks Report. So, Daniel, it's the postseason. It is the postseason. It's the most wonderful time of the year, uh, at least for us basketball fans, just because not only do you have the playoffs, but now you have the play-in that takes place today, tomorrow, and Friday. And as um, a team that's uh, as someone that's experienced a play-in last year when I was with New Orleans, it's the, the intensity of it is really something else, um, especially because there is really no margin of error in these playing games. Of course, if you are in the 7-8 game, you do have a little bit of it because if you do lose, as you mentioned in the intro, you do get another shot at it. But that doesn't mean that you're going to go ahead and win that game on Friday, even though you are hosting. It just means you get another crack at it. So the pressure is on for all of these teams. I know all of them want to make it into a best-of-seven series, but only four of these teams will be able to survive. But it's going to be fun. And, of course, leave it to the Hawks to be facing a Southeast Division foe in the Miami Heat, who they've had a tough time Uh, facing here in the last couple of years yeah and I just have to say that I actually don't hate the concept of the plane I think it makes I think it raises the stakes a little bit Um, I think I like the idea of giving these teams who 
are ninth and 10th in their respective conferences, another shot at trying to get in in the playoffs. Of course, whether they're able to make it out of the first round is a whole nother story. But I do think overall, it does raise the level of competition, especially because, like I said, the stakes are so high. You're playing for your spot playing to try and extend your season a little bit. And um, if anything, you know, can be said about Team Snip Snap is that they like to play in high stakes games. We've seen it time and time again this season that they tend to raise their level of competitiveness or uh, compete level to the level of their opponent. Um, So in playing the Heat tonight, you know, we should expect to see some some high level competition. I know that the Heat kind of own the three a three one record over the Hawks so far this season in the four games that they played in the regular season. But I think if anything I can take away from from them playing the Heat is that that last game that they had against them in in early March, the Hawks were pretty close to to winning that. I think we saw some breakdowns toward the end of that. Uh, regular season game but overall the Hawks competed really really hard against the Heat they made it really tough and I think they're excited to go and and play really physically um, tonight yeah I I think you do take some of what you saw against them in the regular season obviously Quinn Snyder saw them for a couple of times during that stretch there uh, as one of that big road trips you know the two in Miami and then two against Washington that they ended up losing both those games in Miami but now it's just a one game so some of that you have to wipe, uh, wipe clean. And some of it, as he talked about earlier today at practice, it's you take some of the good parts that you saw in some of those matches, you include those, and then you have to retool a little bit to try to figure out the other ways because the kind of the theme for this matchup is physicality. And we all know how physical Miami is. Now it's whether the Hawks can step up and try to play their game and not really worry about the physicality and just kind of do what they're trying to do. So Yes, this is. I love the play in format. There was an NBA record for most teams still mathematically alive within two weeks left of the regular season this year. And that's the whole point of this. It's so that, yeah, on Sunday, it kind of felt like there was really nothing to play for. Everyone mostly locked up seating. The games weren't that great. But for the most part, you were you were seeing a lot of teams still chasing that play in. So it, it did keep regular season games more interesting than they have ever before. So I'm a big part of it, a big fan of it. I hope they keep it, which I think they are. And we'll see what happens tonight. Again, a, a Southeast Division rivalry. Uh, these two teams playing again now for the fifth time should be fun. I agree. And I mean, one person who absolutely is not overlooking this team at all, and I don't think anybody on the Hawks are overlooking them, but Quinn Snyder is approaching this game very, very seriously. And he, at practice on Monday, had some really um, you know, good insights about what this team should be expecting when they face Miami tonight. Miami, you know, at any point in the season, is formidable, particularly, you know, at home. Um, they're, you know, one of the best coach teams in the league. Um, you know, they have an identity. Um, obviously, the best defensive team in the league. So it presents a lot of challenges for us. I just wanted to fact check uh, Quinn really, really quickly. I know that Miami's identity is being a defensive team, but right now they actually, over the course of the season, have the ninth best defense. In, in the NBA right now, the number one is still Cleveland, who has a defensive rating of 109.9. But obviously, we're not going to get too far ahead. We're talking about Miami here. So 
Yeah, the Hawks will have a tough task ahead of them uh, over the course of the season. They put up some of their lowest numbers whenever they do play the Heat for whatever reason, particularly Trey. We know that the Heat will try to slow him down as much as possible, um, especially after what they've learned from how they handled him in the playoffs last season. Of course, this is a different Miami team in the sense that they no longer have P.J. Tucker. He is, of course, with the 76ers now, and he he actually did play a huge role in helping to shape that defense last season. But looking at the stats against Miami, the Hawks on average just take about 83.8 attempts over the course of those four games that they played in the regular season, and they made about 42 of them. So that's about 49% of their shots falling. And so that's, especially since Quinn took over, that's probably among their lowest field goal percentages that they've had across 82 games this season. So yeah, Miami does have a a formidable defense. So I don't think that this team is going to take them lightly at all. No, not at all. And uh, again, I think it, it's a confidence thing for the Miami Heat, knowing what they've been able to do against Trey Young and the Hawks, not only this season, but in the playoffs. I know, again, different team, different coach, um, different players on each side. So um, some of that you have to throw away. But I mean, it is something that we have seen uh, from Miami that they've had so much success. And I think that physicality has something to do with it. Obviously, I think with Quinn Snyder, the pace has picked up a little bit. I think that's what he's been trying to the focus on with ball movement and getting faster shots up. Sometimes that's worked. And sometimes again, it remains stagnant uh, based on the results on defense and things like that. So, but again, as we mentioned, we have, I think you have in Quinn Snyder, one of the better adjustment type coaches in the league. And I think it will play a role into this game, but also you have one of the better minds in the NBA and Eric Spolstra. So I think it's going to be a nice game of chess between these two coaches and these two teams tonight as, as these two square off. For sure. And I think too, the biggest focus that this Hawks team will have to keep in mind is that they want to make sure that they don't fall into that trap of playing the heats game and, and taking the shots that the heat want and um, you know, making sure that they're playing their best matchup possible. So here's what Trey actually had to say in terms of them focusing on their own game plan. I mean, obviously we know they they play physical and what they bring to the table every night. I mean, I think it's up to us to go out and and, and match that and take it to another level. And It's not about just saying it. We got to go out and really be a a physical team and and, uh, just go out and do it. Yeah, just going out there and do it. Um, obviously we've seen over the course of this season that this Hawks team is a team that has, they, they say all the right things, but they have trouble executing it regularly and actually doing it. But we've got a special guest joining us today to, to talk more about what the Hawks need to focus on when facing the heat tonight, Michael Cunningham. Welcome. I'm so happy you're here. Daniel and I were just really, really getting into um, some sound that we heard from practice this afternoon from Trey Young, Quinn Snyder, as well as John Collins. But Michael, when you think about and you had a really amazing column after the Hawks lost to the 76ers um, bench players (laughs) about how this team, it just it's unfortunately a mediocre team in the sense that it's just so inconsistent. So 
when you think about the Heat, how they have a very specific identity that's physical, um, they're a defensive-minded team, what can the Hawks do to, especially on the offensive end, attack that defense and use it to their advantage? Well, I think they got to move the ball, <laughs> which I think is something we've been saying about this team for a long time is when they get stagnant is when the ball doesn't move and one of the two guards, either uh, Trey or Murray, um, you know, wants to get isolation and get mismatches and attack those mismatches, which is which is fine when those plays are there, but it can't be your overall identity and it especially can't be that way against the Heat. What They are so good at uh, keeping you on one side of the floor and preventing you from running your offense if you do that. So you got to move the ball, swing the ball, and when the ball gets swung around, you got to attack. Don't just wait and try to set up your guy. You got to go. You got to move. So I think if they can do that, uh, they'll have chances to score because we know this is a talented offensive team. But if they don't do that, it's going to be a lot like it was in last year's playoffs where they're not going to be able to get good shots. Yeah, I mean, we've obviously seen what the, the, the Heat can do when they are attacking uh, a ball-dominant guard. We saw what happened with Trey Young last season. So how does this team avoid being, especially as you mentioned with Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, how do they avoid being the, okay, your turn, now it's my turn, now it's your turn, now it's my turn? Um, to me, it's kind of up to the guards. I mean, that's their job is is, is to uh, have the ball in their hands and move it. Um, unfortunately, I think the way that this team is structured, there aren't, when you look at the starting lineup, there aren't too many other guys who can do that, who can have the ball in their hands and make plays off the dribble, either passing or shooting. Uh, so I think it's going to be up to Trey and Murray to um, you know move the ball to attract defensive attention and kick it out to guys who are going to have uh, open spot-up shots. Ideally, that's the way it'll work. Because if they, like I said, if they don't do that, it's going to be a long night. For sure. And when you think of some of the spot up guys that they have on this roster right now uh, in that starting lineup, I mean, it's it's really just John Collins and, and DeAndre Hunter who are their options. But I think one thing that maybe they can take or, or use to their advantage is that John Collins has been shooting the ball really, really well. I mean, since the All-Star break, he's knocked down about 38% of his shots from three. And then over the last 15 or so games, he's shooting above 40%. Over the last five games, he's shooting about 45% from three. So if he's knocking those shots down, does that does that bode well for this Hawks offense? I think so. Yeah, I agree with you. He has been shooting better. Uh, um, if... He's making that that corner three. Now his guy can't help as much on the drives. I think that could be a really good key if if Trey or Murray is swinging that ball to that corner and John is making those threes. Now the Heat has more floor to cover. If he's not making that that three, then they're not they're not going to bother. They'd rather focus on clogging up the lane, preventing uh, Trey from getting to his floater, preventing the lob to Clint, preventing anything else other than Collins on the corner shooting three. If he if he's not making that. But if he's making it, I think I agree with you that it's going to open some things up. 100%. Now, we don't want to get too far into talking with Michael about what this Hawks team needs to do. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. This is the Hawks report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. 
In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades, an AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I just wanted to take this time to thank everyone who has subscribed to the AJC as well as AJC.com. You guys are what make all of this possible. But if you haven't subscribed or joined our community yet, we do have a special deal available right now for listeners of this podcast. You all can get unlimited digital access to everything that the AJC has to offer for the next three months for just 99 cents. That's all of our stories on AJC, our e-paper, and all of our newsletters, including Bradley's Buzz from the legendary columnist Mark Bradley, as well as Mike Check from our guest today, Michael Cunningham. That's just 99 cents for the next three months. And you can take advantage of this offer by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. All right. Welcome back to the Hawks Report. Again, Michael. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, before we took the break, we were talking about how this Hawks offense can kind of lead the charge and 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 get them this hopefully one win so that they can go right to the playoffs. Now, another good thing that we've been seeing out of the Hawks so far this you know since the All Star break at the, at the very least is that they have one of the top scoring benches, if not the top scoring bench in the league since the all-star break. So when we started this season, Michael, the Hawks kind of struggled with the amount of depth that they had on the roster just because they didn't have any shooting. But now we've seen that Bogey is knocking shots down and they also have Sadiq Bey. I mean, he's kind of fallen off a little bit since um, he's kind of settled into the offense. But what about Sadiq has, I guess, given you a little bit of how do I say, comfort, optimism that this bench unit can still kind of beat Miami's second unit as well? Yeah, I mean, I like I like his toughness. Um, I think that's a good trait to have against this Heat team. As you mentioned earlier, this is a, a physical defense. Um, and in the playoffs last year, the, the refs kind of let them play and you could see the same thing this postseason. Sometimes the whistles get a little bit, you know, tighter and, or looser in the postseason where they're not calling as much. So I think Sadiq Bay kind of gives them that edge, that kind of that toughness that they really need. Uh, there aren't, in my opinion, that many guys on the roster that are kind of like that. So when you go against a Heat team, you can't wilt. And I think that's kind of what happened to these guys last year is when, when the Heat were physical during that series, they kind of wore down and, they, and the, the Hawks wilted. Um, I think Sadiq Bay is a guy who's going to help you not do that, who's going to kind of keep attacking. Um, you know, he's like you said, he's kind of he's kind of falling off, but he's not he's not afraid to shoot. If the shot's there, he's going to take it. Um, he's going to get to the hole and, and you know, and and try to finish with some contact. So that's I think that could help them if he's if he's on his game. 
And I think the other great thing is that they have Jalen Johnson, who's kind of um, having a little bit of a breakout moment, especially since Quinn Snyder took over, and then also Onyeka Okongu. So we're seeing that this front court is kind of finding a little bit more rhythm, especially in these young guys. Um, how does that not necessarily bode well for, for what we're going to see tonight against the Heat, but also just for the future of this team? Yeah, I think that's... That's important. Um, Jalen, I think, has really shown his potential. And, you know, he's the kind of wing that you're looking for now, a big wing who's athletic, uh, who's shown a little bit more, you know, passing ability than I kind of thought he would coming out of college. Um, you know, the shot's still not there, but everything else you like. So to me, you you get you get in, get him in the gym and you work on his shot and you straighten that out. And this, he can become that kind of two-way big wing, which is, you know, kind of all the rage in the NBA nowadays. Everybody wants a guy like that. So that does both well for them uh Onyek is as well I mean he's he's really come on uh he went through kind of I think a stretch last year and sometimes this year inconsistent play sometimes he was there sometimes he wasn't he kind of has trouble with some of the bigger matchups but this year I think or this late this season you're seeing uh, as, as you said that he's he's coming on and showing that he can be a good center in this league mm-hmm. and He's going to have a pretty heat. Both he and Clint Capella are going to have some pretty formidable matchups. We'll expect them to be primarily on Bam Adebayo, who, you know, has still been um, attacking the rim. He, We've seen him taking some of those shots from from the mid-range. So just how, how do they kind of stack up against him and limit him a little bit more now that we're shifting over and talking about the defensive end of things? Yeah, he's a tough cover. I think everybody knows that. Um it's really hard to keep him from getting to his spots. Like he's got, like you said, he's got that little mid-range game. He's got those certain spots that he likes to get to, and it's tough to keep him away from there because he is physical. He's got good handles for a big. Uh, he's a really versatile guy. So, um, yeah, but I think overall, though, the, the Heat aren't a very good offensive team and really haven't been for a long time. I mean, that was one of the, I think, overlooked things from the playoffs last year. Is the Hawks not only couldn't score, they the Heat scored more against the Hawks than they, than they should. Then, then, then they, a good defensive team should not allow the, the, the Heat to score that efficiently. So I think if you can kind of limit Bam, that's a big part of their offense. If you if you can limit him from getting to his spots, uh, he is a good passer. But if you can limit him from, from finding passing lanes, finding cutters, and keep him from getting to his spots, then I think you really limit a big part of their defense – or I'm sorry, their offense. For sure. And, and, and speaking about the Hawks being a team that – kind of allows teams to, you know, shine offensively, if you will. On average, the Heat score drop about 109.5 points per game. But whenever they face the Hawks, they're they're dropping about 116 or so points per game. So uh, when you look at, you know, from the starting five, in in my opinion, whenever I watch, you know, the Hawks and, and think about where their strengths are defensively, I kind of look at that second unit a little bit because of how Onyeka Okongu has been kind of drifting out to the perimeter a little bit, but he's not necessarily getting stuck there. He'll quickly get back and, and still kind of defend the paint and, and limit those shots at the rim. And then you also have a guy like Jalen Johnson. So that kind of tandem that the Hawks have in those two two bigs, two young guys in there, I mean, how much more can that bench unit kind of slow an already slow Miami Heat offense down. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. They're both kind of long, switchable guys, 
which, like I said, that's what everybody's looking for, right? Um, they're they're long switchable guys. They can help and recover, like you said. Um, those guys working in tandem defensively like that can help you a lot, co- help you cover a lot of the court. And that's really what defense is, is about in the NBA nowadays because the ball is moving and people are moving. You got so much court to cover. You need mobile guys with some length to where, you know, if they're closing out and they're not quite there, they can still bother a shot because they're so long. Uh, around the rim, if they're not quite there, they can still bother a shot because they got the length. And, you know, they have the quickness to recover and get back to their guy after they help. So if you have two guys doing that like that, I think I think you're right. It, it will help the Hawks a lot uh, slow down, which, like I said, is not a very good offensive team. For sure. And if you look at that starting unit as well, uh, we haven't necessarily I know when we talked about DeJounte Murray coming aboard this team back in the offseason, um, one of my very first podcasts, we we had bought into what his defensive strengths were. In a, and, and in some ways, it's kind of dropped off a little bit. But against Miami, it feels as though like, you know, with many of the Hawks games, they tend to play up to the level of competition that they're they're facing for whatever reason. Where where do you see DeJounte Murray kind of showing some of those strengths a little bit more again? Is it that the Hawks maybe primarily put him on a Jimmy Butler or are they putting him on a guy like Gabe Vincent or Kyle Lowry or, or Tyler Hero? Yeah, that's a tricky question because I think you're right. His defensive impact probably hasn't been kind of what we were expecting. He's not – He's he's a good – team defender in the sense that he knows where to be. You know, he knows the actions. He can anticipate. He's he's good at anticipation. He's good at getting his hands on hands on, on passes, you know, lots of deflections. Uh he's a steals guy and that, that really sparks the uh the Hawks offense because they can get out in transition. But he's not really a guy you put in front of somebody and say, hey, lock this guy down, keep him away from him. And especially not a matchup against Butler, who is, is a big strong dude and you know and, and DeJounte is more of you know of a, of a slimmer build. Um but he is a very good defender within within the defense. I would like, you know, to see him put a little bit more ball pressure since he's so good at that. And, you know, there are times I think where he kind of backs off of that ball pressure. I mean, getting getting the ball pressure is key to slowing down any offense. And I think it's especially key against uh the Heat when you have a guy like Butler who's gonna try to get to the rim and, you know, and either try to score or find guys. So I would like to see him a little a little bit more with the ball pressure, a little more bit more trying to get deflections, trying to get out on steals. And, you know, knowing that he's got usually when he's on the court, he's got some guys behind him who are, are good help guys. And one hundred percent. And when you think about too that starting five, DeAndre Hunt uh sorry, DeAndre Hunter, uh DeJounte Murray, John Collins, Clint Capella, that's still a pretty good defensive unit but when you have Trey Young who we've seen over the course of the season on a, you know several occasions show that he he can make a defensive impact you know how does he continue to stay engaged defensively for you know the entire 48 minutes just not when it suits him yeah I mean I think you have to give Trey some credit he has been Noticeably better defensively this year, and the the numbers you look at the on off numbers, uh, you kind of kind of prove that he, you know, <laughs> I mean I've covered him since his rookie year. I mean when he was a rookie, he would get to the first screen and just die. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like he was waiting for that. Sometimes he would stop before he even got to the screen, right? Like he just wasn't about getting over screens. Like it was he just wasn't very interested. Uh, probably a little bit better his second year. I thought kind of 
fell off last year, but this year he has been better defensively. Uh, the way for you're right that he has to kind of stay engaged for the whole game. He has said plenty of times this year that, hey, I feel like I can be more aggressive uh, defensively because I have DeJounte now. All right, well, here's your chance. This is kind of this team that you're facing is kind of the whole reason they did this was, you know, it was shown in the playoffs. Like if you deny Trey and try to give it to somebody else, there's nobody else really that's going to make plays. Well, now it's supposed to be DeJounte. So knowing that Trey should be able to uh, expend more energy in defense and knowing that this is a, you know, it's not a winner go home, but it's a very important game that you want to win to just get straight to the playoffs so you're not facing a, an elimination game um, the next time. So, I mean, he just has to want to do it. Uh, to know that if he does do it, other guys are going to have his back. It's kind of a, a trust issue with his teammates, I think, is, hey, I need to go all out on defense. We need to win this game. I have guys who have my back, so I'm going to not just hide over here in the corner defensively. I'm going to try to you know, be disruptive. 100%. Now, if the Hawks win tonight against the Heat, they automatically head to the playoffs. They're the seventh seed, and that means they're going to face Boston. We've seen that this Hawks team has trouble, um, you know, particularly defending the three. How would you say that series against a, a Celtics team could play out? Do you see the Hawks being able to at least win one of them and, and extend the series to five? Do you see the Hawks having a fighting chance at all, you know, to make it out of the first round, especially if they're, they're playing Boston? I don't think they would have much of a chance of advancing. <laughs> um, honestly, uh, to me, Boston is the most complete team in the East. They are good offensively. Uh, they can shoot. Uh, they are great defensively. They are deep. Um, they've played together for a while. You know, they are a very connected team. Uh, they're very they're a tough team. They have the toughness. Uh, they have the desire. Like, they have, you know, been close and now they're coming back like they had. They're on a mission. So that's every almost everything I'm saying is kind of the opposite of the Hawks. Except the Hawks can the Hawks can't score, but everything else is advantage Boston. Every matchup that I see is is, is advantage Boston, with the maybe the, the exception of Trey. But with the way that Boston plays defense, they have multiple guys like we were talking about earlier who can cover a lot of ground, help and recover and recover, and they have a rim protector. So. Yeah, I wouldn't see the Hawks having much of a chance in that. I would I would probably take Boston in five. Okay, Boston in five. Now, if they lose tonight's game against the Heat, you already touched on it. They have a one more they have one more chance to try and get into the playoffs. They would face the winner of the Toronto uh Chicago game. Who do you prefer <laughs> if the Hawks do lose? Who would you prefer? they face Chicago <laughs> Chicago see yeah. I I would think they have a better shot if it's Toronto because especially they're hosting um you know that game so why do you say Chicago that's true about the hosting that would be the, the reason that's a reasonable reason to take a Toronto uh I would say because Chicago is not very good offensively <laughs> um I would take my chances with them. Also, Toronto has some of that championship DNA still left um, of the guys that are still on the roster. Uh, they've kind of been there before. They know about the pressure. Uh, they're a pretty balanced team offensively and defensively, whereas Chicago has a clear weakness offensively. And the Hawks just blew them out 
blew them out not too long ago. So that's still got to be in Chicago's head. The reason I say Toronto is um, of who I would rather the Hawks face. They've already, you know, beaten them uh, twice, once in Toronto, once here in Atlanta. Um they're already they're in a weird situation where the coach is kind of ready to leave <laughs> at the end of the season. Um, you've got a guy like Fred Van Vliet who seems to no longer be buying into whatever it is the Raptors are selling. Um, <laughs> Gary Trent Jr. doesn't seem to really be as engaged anymore. And so they just seem to be all over the place. They have a lot of guys who are coming up on the free agent market. And so, yeah, maybe they'll be playing to try and uh, convince teams uh, why they should sign them. But it seems that their their mind is on the offseason already. Uh, so that's kind of why I would say I see the Hawks having a better chance um, if it's if it's the Raptors. Plus, they have, you know, A.J. Griffin still fresh in their mind, <laughs> uh, you know, with buzzer beaters and everything like that. So, all right. So if they if they win... You know, whoever it is they face, if they win that game, they head to the playoffs, they're the eighth seed, they play the Bucks. How do you see that shaking out? Similar as with Boston. <laughs> um, I mean, the Bucks are not, a, not exactly a similar team to Boston, but they're similar in the sense that they have, you know, they're on a mission as well. They've They've been to the top, you know, kind of fell off. Now they're trying to get back. Uh, they have the knowledge and knowing that they already beat the Hawks in a series not long ago. This is this, and that was Peacocks. That's when we thought the Hawks were kind of going places, and they haven't been the same since. So I would say that yeah, the Hawks won't have much chance in that series either. And there's also the Giannis factor, and as, as Hawks fans remember from that East Finals, it wasn't just Giannis that that hurt the Hawks. It was also you know it was Holiday and it was Middleton. Um, Lopez had some some good games too. Um, yeah, that's that's another tough matchup for the Hawks. I mean, it's it's hard to think that the Hawks have a chance against either Milwaukee or Boston when we've been seeing them play be a 500 team pretty much all year. And the last time we saw them in the playoffs, they got, you know, it was an easy easy out for Miami, which is not as good as either Boston or Milwaukee. So I can't see how you could reasonably expect the Hawks to have, you know, much of a chance against either of those top two teams in the East. Okay, so... We're, now that we're, you know, we talked through the the first round, Boston's making it through, Milwaukee's making it through. Uh, I just want to get your prediction on on the NBA Finals. Who do you got? <laughs> oh man, oh that's good. We're we're skipping all the other rounds. <laughs> yeah, we the are. Second round we're sh- and the conference finals. <laughs> we're going straight to the NBA Finals. Who do you got? Uh, I like Boston out of the East. And I like Phoenix out of the West. Okay. So I agree with you on the Boston one. Uh, I think Boston's going to, you know, return to the finals. Um, except I I think that it could be – I still think the Nuggets have a shot. Oh, at, yeah. They do. <laughs> at, at being – being the the one that's coming out of the West. Um, you know, Jamal Murray has continued to play really well. You've got the reigning MVP slash favorite uh, or one of the favorites to win the MVP this year in Nikola Jokic. So 
I, I, I'm still, I said it at the beginning of the year. I still think it's going to be a Boston Nuggets, uh, a final, but who knows? Golden State could surprise us and decide to start winning games on the road. And, and it's another Boston Golden State final or whoever. So nothing's, nothing's guaranteed in this league, is it? All right. So last question. Who do you see winning it all? I'm going to take Boston uh, for all the reasons I said before. I believe that they're the most complete team out of the East. I think if against either uh, Denver or Phoenix, I like them just because they are so good defensively. Um, And Denver and Phoenix obviously are both hard to guard. So if you're going to beat them, you have to be strong defensively. And I think Boston has that. And they are also so balanced offensively as well. It's just, they're just, I mean, I love watching the Celtics play. Sorry, Hawks fans, but I love watching the Celtics, <laughs> the Celtics play because they are just everybody they put on the floor knows exactly what they're supposed to do, and most of the times they do it. It's just it's beautiful basketball to watch at both ends. So I think I agree with you that Denver obviously has a really strong chance to come out of the West a little bit. I, think, I like Boston against either Denver or Phoenix in the finals. I, I agree with you. I, I do see Boston winning it all, and. I don't know. I, like you said, they're they're just a very balanced team. They have so much depth. Um, you look at what their third unit, <laughs> not even their <laughs> second unit, their third unit did to the Hawks' second and third unit on Sunday in the regular season finale. And I mean, granted, yes, the, the, the Hawks did compete all the way to the end. They managed to keep it a six-point game. But I mean, it was double digits for a lot of that second half. So the fact that Boston has just so much depth, not just offensively, but of course, defensively. And like you said, everybody buys into their role. Yeah, I just I just see them being the one holding that Larry O'Brien trophy at the end of the year or at the end of the, the playoffs. So we've already talked your ears off plenty enough. We'll see what happens tonight when the Hawks face the heat in the play-in game between the seventh seed and the eighth seed. And we'll be back on Wednesday morning recapping what happened in that game. So make sure you guys check back in to the Hawks report then. Until you guys hear from us again on Wednesday morning, I'm Lauren Williams, joined today by Michael Cunningham and, of course, trusty handy-dandy producer Daniel Salerson. Um, But this is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities, 
Atlanta's thriving art scene, and the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologeticallyATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh, 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 oh